0: himself welcome back to the stuff of stories podcast i am sarah jane rose and i am here with ian pringle
1: and i'm ian pringle and i'm here with sarah jane rose
0: so for episode five, we have been, or Ian has been, out into the wide world again uh, to have a chat uh, about stories. And this time he's gone to a local bookshop. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, Ian.
1: Yeah. So uh, a bookshop's just recently opened, actually, in my town um, called Bearded Badger Books. And you'll find out why it's <laughs> called that in the interview. I will talk about it. Um, but... Yeah I was just I was really I went down there I really liked it I really like the bloke that runs it it's not just a bookshop he also runs a publishers and I thought that would be a really interesting thing to learn about um for uh stuff of stories.
0: Why 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 do you think it why have we sort of gone to a bookshop to as part of this why why do you think that's part of the journey?
1: Yeah I guess well I suppose it's more the sort of the 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 commerce side of stories isn't it in a way so yeah it's a good question it's not about telling stories but I think when you hear the the, sh- the recording, you'll get a sense of how important it is. And, and for me, I was like, "Well, how do stories get out there? A story is not a story if it's just sat in isolation and no one hears it or reads it or sees it." So I was interested in how how does that operate? How do how do bookshops work? Um, what is the job of a bookseller like? Um, Kate Coleman mentioned that, didn't she, in in your interview with her that yeah, she'd yeah, been yeah. a bookseller? So it's and she said it was a you know a brilliant job. So I was interested in that, and then also the publishing side of it. How do you choose what you're going to publish, what you're not, and, and what happens with those stories? So, yeah, that, that, cool. that for me is how it links anyway.
0: Okay, well, let's, let's hear it. Let's do it. Today I'm
1: in the 1924 building in Belpa, which is a lovely new shopping arcade with lots of small... Uh, businesses operating from here. And in particular, I'm here for one business, which is called Bearded Badger Books. I'm here to speak to Paul Handley. It looks like Um, he's got a couple of customers in there at the moment. So I'm going to just hang back until they're out of the way. Right. So here we are. And here's the man himself, uh, Paul Handley.
2: uh, Bearded Badger Books.
1: Quite clearly, Yourself, you are the inspiration. For the I am, I am beard. the bearded
2: badger himself, as people often remark when they walk in through the door. As you know, for the benefit of the people that can't see, I do have a big beard. And well, the story was, I was in Birmingham and there was a young boy with his mum, and uh, I just could notice the, you know, he was staring at me intently, proper staring. And I uh, thought nothing of it. Then he just tugged on his mum, 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 that man looks like he's got a badger on his face. <laughs> And my beard did look a bit like a badger. There. It's a bit more, it's a bit whiter now, but it was quite prominent then. His mom nearly died on the spot. Uh, wanted the, you could see she wanted the ground to swallow. All said, oh, I'm sorry. He does that all the time. He just saves what he sees. And uh, I thought, no, I'm going to keep that one and uh, keep it. I did, and here we are.
1: It feels kind of right. It feels, it feels <laughs> not not, uh, not for you, but for the for the for the shop. But yeah, you know, something about yeah. You know, it's a kind of it's a small shop. Rather like a, a Badgers
2: set. Yeah, yeah. Um, you we know. didn't think about calling it that, to be honest. And we did think about calling it the Badgers set, but I was advised against it because it would have not on search engines and things like that. There would have been no description. Yeah. Like, and so, but um, it would have, man. I do often refer to it as the set if I'm. Uh, if I'm talking on the social media and they say, Oh, us down in the Badger set, because that you're right, it does feel a bit like that, doesn't it? Quite cozy, and yeah, and
1: uh, then we have we know Badger from Wind in the Willows as well, don't we? So that's only sort of, well, he's you know, wise, educated, well read. You imagine his, his set is full of <laughs> oh,
2: well, you are being way too kind there, <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay? So, um. Tell, tell us a little bit about um, the shop. So first
2: of all, because
1: you've not been open that long. No, no, just
2: over five weeks actually. Um, so the shop, um, really, what 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 it's about. I mean, as you know, we're in the 1924 building. What's nice about it, we're surrounded by. Um, is it, is it? I don't know. what is it a shopping arcade? Is it? A, I'm not sure how you describe it. But there's a lot of creative businesses down here as well. So it's a really nice space to start with. It's a nice space to come and have a walk around. Little cobbled streets all under one roof. So Campbell Street in Belpa. Um, so that was that was that was an appeal for me on an aesthetic value, if you like, an aesthetic level. Um, it looks nice. And then we set the bookshop up. It is small. You know, I can't compete with Waterstones in terms of space. There is no magic cast iron staircase taking you up to the next realm of books, as you often find in uh, in Waterstones. Um, and likewise, you know, we can't always compete with the Amazons of this world who, you know, buy they're a volume based business. We're not that either. So we've had to sort of carve out a little niche, if you like, with this shop as to, well, what do we want to represent? And. In honesty, we want we want it to be somewhere that the community feel they can come in, have a chat, have a browse, and that there'll be something in here that tickles their fancy, be it one of the best sellers, which was stock, or be it something from one of the smaller presses, or, you know, stuff that perhaps doesn't always get the shelf space in, in the waterstones of this world, you know. So that that's the ethos of the shop, really. Is As, as you say, it's a small shop. It's probably what... 10 by 8 foot maybe 10 by 10
1: I don't know um, so how did you get? so you, you've ended up and you run a publisher as well and we'll talk about that in a minute but just as a whole thing what's what's your story how did you get here because I think people are always interested to hear you know they might be thinking about oh, that. something I'd like to get into but what do I do how, how do I get into sort of selling books which I think feels like a very lovely and, 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 and noble yeah. thing to do for a living so
2: well yeah that? That, i mean my wife often says as i leave the house every morning oh you're off to live the dream again <laughs> and, and there's a there's a, a strong degree of truth in that um so how did i get here well I've, i'm i'm a couple of years shy of 50 so no spring chicken in that respect but um and i spent 20 odd years working in industry manufacturing industries Production management roles, uh, supply chain management, more recently project management, and and what brought me to Derbyshire was Rolls Royce, as it does a lot of people who work in in aero industry. Um I I was enjoying it. I had a, had a nice job, doing bits of travelling. Everything was going well, then I lost both my parents quite quickly, and this probably sounds a bit deep, but um. It just forces you we, to hold we a mirror
1: don't, We don't mind deep, we don't mean mind deep.
2: <laughs> it sort of forces you to hold a mirror up, I think, to a lot of things. My folks were the sort that, you know, their catchphrase was often, oh, when we retire or once we retire. And, and they didn't really get to do a lot, to be fair, after they had retired, before their, their time was up, if you like. So um, I thought, there is no dress rehearsal. It's one roll of the die here. And I just took a decision. I wanted to do something different. Um... So I went back to university, did an English degree, University of Derby, um, did an English degree. I really enjoyed that. And it was during that that I felt that I've got a love for books, all things books, the smell of them, browsing in bookshops, the, the tangible feel of a book. Um, so I went on, to, I was, by this point I'm thinking, okay, I've done a degree, what am I gonna do for the rest of my life? And, um, and it felt like publishing was a thing, book, the book industry. So I went on and did a master's in publishing. Um, And during the course of the Masters, what was great about that was it allowed me to tailor, you don't have to do a full-on dissertation like a research subject, you can also do what they call a major project. And my major project was to launch a small independent press, which is Bearded Badger Publishing. Now we did this last year, Um, we launched in the January and of course everybody knows what happened from March onwards. Um, so, as a business model, it's probably a pretty rubbish one, to be fair. And yeah, I can't imagine Deborah Meadon would um, be backing me if I went on Dragon's Den. But um, but yeah, and and, and and it was quite fraught. It was sort of, oh God, what do we do now? How do we, you know, one of the things about being a small publisher is getting out in front of people and, and, and having that communication of what you're doing. And it became really difficult. But we, took, we ploughed through it and um, we published our first book, at the back end of um Can I just ask just because yeah.
1: I, I think a, a question that popped in my head immediately is like so what are what were obviously covid that's a massive hurdle but that's sort of like an unexpected hurdle but i'm wondering what the, the hurdles are and just in, in terms of publishing if someone's setting up as a publisher what problems they're going to meet
2: along the road okay well I, I mean there are a number of problems in, in publishing it's it's I think you've got to kind of have this blind faith in many ways of just believing in what you're going to do, and for me it was about well, I, I, I just the East Midlands. I'm quite passionate. I'm I'm from the West Midlands, as the accent might slightly give away, but um, I'm quite passionate about the Midlands generally, and I think we, over, we get overlooked a lot.
1: Publishing. people people drive past us, don't yeah, they? Yeah, it's
2: you jump from south to north without thinking about the bit in the middle, and. Um, and we are a bit in the middle. We're not the North and we're not the South. And I do think we've got our own identity, our own her- heritage and history, you know, be it industrial, be it cultural, whatever. But, and, and for me, it was about, well, I, I know so many good writers and I attend a lot of poetry events in and around the East Midlands. And I just thought, and, and, and the common theme was, I was listening to great poetry, but then talking to poets after, and there was almost like a resignation of well uh, yeah I'll never get published though it's a it's a London thing or it's a thing that I, it's something I can't grasp and obtain and I thought you
1: can and, and what I guess that sounds like a barrier in itself that that maybe there was a in some of those people sort of a barrier within themselves like what's the point I won't bother kind of Massive, following that
2: yeah, yeah hugely, hugely how did you overcome that? Well, I think you've you've just got to. For me, it was like, well, actually, I'm in the same boat as you, guys. Here, I'm a publisher that's operating outside of London. Um, I don't, and the the thing as well, I had no publishing background. You know, we were a, a new business, so it was almost like, a, well, who fancies coming on this journey with me? I can't promise what it's going to be like, and I remember having this conversation with Drew Gumson who who the writer of our first novel, Seven Nights at the Flamingo Hotel. And it was, Drew has been previously published by um, two different publishers, one of whom was one of what they call the big five. And, um, and, and if you like, my unique selling point was, look, this is going to be a collaborative approach. I, I can't, I don't know how to do this on my own. This is, I am sort of flying a little bit blind here, you know. I'm, I'm going to do the best we can, but I, I need somebody that's going to, we're going to have a go at this together. And I think that uh, uh, appealed to Drew's sensibilities as well. And uh, yeah, oh, he's yeah, coming, coming. no, 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 coming in, coming
1: in, in. Yeah, if you don't mind us chatting and yeah, and, yeah.
2: yeah. Um. There. So so that was um, as you say, it was a it was a barrier, but it was also actually a, something that we could use as a as a platform to sort of say, well, this is what we're about. And and one of the things that we did with the submissions process was to say, well. Um, we want Bearded Badger Publishing to be about giving a platform for East Midlands writers. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be born and bred here, although that does count. You can come here to work, to study, but it was about people who have got this that link to our region and trying to give them a foot up if you like, get a foot in the door and, and get some something out there into the world. Um, And as a consequence, the subsequent moves that we made there, after we published Seven Nights at the Flamingo Hotel, as I say, in November last year, since then we've gone on to publish, so far, two poetry books. We're doing a further seven during the course of this year. And we're publishing another book back end of summer, early autumn. So, and all the writers have that link to our region, be it through, as I say, through being born here or studying here or, you know... Family here, it's, it's, and it's quite nice actually that we can do that.
1: Um, are you? Do you need any help at all? Right. No, no, I'm
2: fine. Thank okay. you. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, I guess uh, I was just thinking then about if your Pen- Penguin Random House is a publisher. I don't know anything about. I'm certainly not about some book physical book publishing, but I'm assuming that they get a lot of manuscripts sent to them. Yeah. And I'm guessing it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of them didn't really get read or maybe like a
2: skim but not not a great deal of that so i I guess
1: you're in a slightly different position in the sense you haven't got to read through yards and yards and yards of stuff
2: no i mean we opened for submissions last january for for three months i think it was now or four months um and i'll be honest i i i remember doing it at the time pressing send on that document to post it on social media and what have you and i thought I wonder if we'll ever get anybody. Yeah, and, and to be fair, we did. We and the, and the quality of stuff that came in was really, really good. If I'm dead honest with you, you know, the, I didn't have anything that I didn't. There was nothing that I read and thought after a couple of pages. No, that's that's not for me. That's for the slush pile, as they call it. I was really lucky, I guess, in that respect. Um, it just so happened Drew's was the the manuscript that stood out above all else as being something that we we wanted to publish, but. Um, but no, that is a problem. You do get that, and you know some of the the larger publishers, they do sort of a lot will only ac- accept um, agent-driven manuscripts. So that's if you like, um, if you're not familiar with publishing, I guess it's like um, a recruitment agency would be for employment. They'll only put CVs in front of you that they feel fit. What that company does well. A a good agent will only put manuscripts in front of you that they think matches your publishing house. So it's like in in the world of acting, it's like a casting agent. It's the sort of first, it's
1: the first sort of gate, yeah, sort of stopping people getting in that don't need to be there or what they feel they need to be. We
2: kind of didn't want to do that because we, I, I don't know, you know, I think the danger with agents and things like that is you end up with the same. You end up with too much of an emphasis on what's commercially viable. You know i e how are they going to make money and and that sort of thing and I wanted just to put up the first and foremost is it's good writing you know good writing i 'll worry about the commercial aspect after that 's not to say that you don't not worry about the commercial aspect you you know there 's a lot of costs involved in publishing a book in printing, but it was the, the first the first thing that has to grab me is it 's got to be something i I have enjoyed reading i 've admired the writing style whatever you know so um so yeah, that that you know we didn't want to go down that agent only route because I think again, as you were saying earlier about people saying, "Oh, that's not for me" or "I don't fit into that world." That's another part of it. You know, it's another layer, isn't it, that somebody has to negotiate before they can feel like they're getting anywhere. And we didn't want to be that publisher.
1: So, with your process, do you, um, with the publishing side of things, we'll come back into, we'll come back to the shop in a minute, but just with a with the publishing, do you, is it. Is it very much, are you looking for something now? I mean, I know you're still early on in terms of, what, up to 10 books by the end of this year. So there's still not a huge amount there, but are you looking for things that kind of complement, go alongside with that, fill gaps that you haven't got? Or is it just about, does it grab you or
2: is it a bit of both? Like, I know it's just about does it grab me I'll tell you you know it, I, I'd i love to be able to it'd be easier all around if I said oh the stuff we publish is historic fiction or you know I really created a pigeonhole that we're going to fit things into but no I think for me and I think that's the beauty and, and, and I look at a lot of the other independent presses that do something similar they do put out a range of books and and I, and I yeah, think that's I'm what so the appeal bad. is you know that that it's good writing and i think that also then opens up to the community of writers to think well actually these these guys could be for me these could represent what i'm about so um yeah we don't have a i mean what we don't do we don't publish non-fiction at the moment we haven't gone down that road yet i was just
1: going to ask you that question just yeah. for people that are listening
2: um whether they did kind of go oh it might approach yeah. them um, but it's maybe something but not fiction We have two two key areas: fiction, and it can be any kind of fiction. You know, as I say, from more reading tastes to more, uh, far reached as well. You know, so it, it anything from historic fiction through to like cult fiction due to something that might even be like a biography or something that's a personal memoir-styled story we're quite interested in. And then we've got the poetry range as well. And again, the nine poets, this is what I love about it, the nine poets that we've got, um, that we're putting out this year, I would make a strong argument that all nine are different in terms of the way they write, the form, the metre, the way it looks on a page, the content... The language, even you know, we've got people that are Derbyshire born and bred, and there's bits of dialect in there, and which you know, language is brilliant and it's super, you know, so fluid and and that's really represented well across the range of nine books. So, yeah. so yeah, it's and that's what I love. I love that that sort of patchwork quilt, if you like, of this is what you know, this is what we represent. We represent a region rather than a, a genre, I think.
1: Makes sense actually as well, just thinking about it in this shop. Um, which is like you said before not a huge place if you came in here and it was all historic fiction then you're going to lose all your customers pretty quickly aren't you you're going to need you need to have every book as a standalone this is something another something different that's that's going to work i think in somewhere like this i think
2: so and i think like in the shop like if we touch on the shop and what we do stock it you know as you say it's small so i can't compete with bigger bookshops on space so I've got to think well what what can we compete with and I think what I what I can do is try and have an almost curated range of books where there's something on the shelves for everyone they just didn't perhaps know it when they walked in through the door and and I think that's where I me as a bookseller sort of have to earn my corn a little bit if you like in that um if if I see someone browsing I'll ask what, what sort of stuff do you normally read and then perhaps then sort of take someone down a lane that says, well, have you, you know, you won't have heard of this press. They're a small press-based in wherever, you know, uh, but this book, it's kind of, it's a good example of this type of writing that you like. And, you know, and we've sold so many books um, doing that, you know, rather than just sort of... And, you know, you're going to Waterstones and, and there's so much choice. And I do wonder whether you... You play safe, I know I do. You know, I go into the Stones and I think, Oh, there's there's just too much choice there, so I'm gonna play safe and pick the pick either the writers that I'm familiar with or you know, or I know that the Penguin Classics range is always a safe bet, so I'll just pick one of those because I feel like I wanna buy a book. But there's too much choice and, and the booksellers are very busy, you know, it's a busy bookshop and stuff like that and you can't expect them to know every book that's in there either, so is that you were talking
1: earlier? Um, can't remember it was. Whether we were recording at the time or not, but um, about that sort of when you were talking about publishing and small publishers kind of working together yeah, against the yeah. bigger houses, not against them, but just to support each other. Is there a similar? Is there a, is there a similar thing in terms of um, the you know, book shops, independent book shops? Is, there
2: some, is that yeah, something? Yeah, there is actually. Yeah, very yeah. much so. I mean, I. Even in in our region, we're, we're quite lucky. Really, we've got Scarthin Books in Cromford. We've got Five Leaves over in Nottingham, um, that are both really good independent bookshops, and they will often share posts that I've put up, and vice versa. And and it is again, it's that whole thing around. Well, there's a strength in numbers, and you know, you can't we we can't compete with the Amazons of this world in terms of picking up a phone and the next day it drops through your letterbox free postage and they buy and such so what can you do you can work together and say well actually we're we're, we're nice people who, who want to talk to you about books you know come and have a chat with us and, and I think that's our unique selling point more than anything else is that we like to talk about books so books that you think come, come, and, come in you know
1: Great, that sounds like a, a, a nice point to, to finish that. Thanks, Paul. Um, May I interrupt uh, your broadcast enough to buy a book? Because you certainly certainly can, you can, can, yeah. certainly
0: can. Well, that was, that was so lovely, and I loved the end of the guy coming in. Can I, can I just buy a book, please? Can you stop <laughs> titting around on a podcast? We, actually there've
1: been a few moments when people had sort of waited outside and I felt really bad because as you can hear it's not a big place and I was there with the big boom um <laughs> for the for the microphone you know which is quite long and so it takes up quite a lot of the shop and people didn't really I think they weren't some people didn't come in so I was like Ugh. oh no. but he didn't seem to mind
0: and um, well he yeah. sat he just he sounds lovely I j- and I really like the you know his ethos that he you know he's obviously just really passionate about it and um and what was it, he said is that his 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 wife or was, partner was saying well you know you just get to kind of go like it's your dream job you're constantly doing your yeah, living the dream again. he said living the, the dream, dream that's again. it yeah, yeah. um yeah. which i think is nice but for me i think it's we're, we're we've got um quite a nice independent bookshop by me as well and um and there's there's nothing wrong, anything, you know, libraries, big bookstores, anything that, that uh, is a route to to getting involved in stories is fine by me. But I think the the local bookshop has so much more to offer and is kind of a real comfort place for a lot of people. And you can go in and like he was saying, you can come in and have a chat and I'll ask you about what sort of, because it's so difficult, isn't it? In, and it's the same. When I was listening to it, it reminded me of the similar thing with wine. Um, so as uh, I can't remember whether we've mentioned this, but as, as I'm, I'm I have been a, a wine consultant for many years and know a bit or two about wine, and one of the big problems with that is that you can go into a supermarket or a big and there'll be loads and loads of wine, and you have no idea where to start or, or, or what to get. And by going to an independent, what you get is a relationship. And somebody we well, what do you like? What's the style of things? And then that way, that will then introduce you to try new things. And I think that's what I was thinking about when he was saying that, that um, it's the same with books because it, it, there are so many and it's so difficult to discover New writers and and that you that you think you will like. So to go to an independent and go, well, this is what I like. This is what I really enjoyed. What do you what do you recommend? Um, I think that's a really important part of the of that yeah. of that um, yeah. of that thing. Absolutely,
1: you know? I, I had that experience with him. Um, and so the book, uh, I think he plugged it in the thing, but I will plug it again. Seven Nights at the Flamingo Hotel, which is their sort of first published novel as a as a um as a publisher's. And when I went in first time just to visit the bookshop and speak to him, he sold me that so well because, although it's probably not necessarily a book that I would pick up, he just told me the story of the book, himself, the publisher, the author, um, and and actually pushed me towards reading a book which I don't think I would have read. But now I have well I've read I read sort of three quarters of the way through it now. I'm really liking it, and it's it's he's changed my taste. He's he's extended my taste. So, like you say, you're absolutely right. The comparison to I, I think I compared it to breweries, but also to wine, <laughs> yeah. and I think also to chefs. These yeah. people can can change your taste in things. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and it's
0: important. I think um, you know for for stories, it's important. Um, there's a uh, a lot of things we said at the moment because obviously we we can't particularly travel, so our experience of the world has become much smaller. So by by expanding your experience by Pushing your comfort zone with with stories and and looking to something new, I think that's really that's actually genuinely really important. Otherwise, we just become really insular and we we're, we're just in this bubble of the same experiences.
1: Yeah, that goes back to something that's come up a little bit when we've been talking about oral storytelling, and I'm, mm. I'm thinking about you did when you did your story, which was the uh, fact based ones. You yeah. looked at your locality and you found something local, and then. We talked about Labuna and the story of the the the, the in of the the sea gypsies, yeah. and how that was very local. And I suppose it feels like at the moment, actually, that we people are moving away from uh, not completely, but some people are moving away from this globalized stuff. And something like a little bookshop like this, which is full of local books and local authors, and is opening your eyes to local people, are we getting back to stories that mean something? about the place where we're from you know Mm -hmm. that's he picked up a book and I thought I thought yeah I get this I get exactly what you're saying he said I just had to buy this book even though I need to stop buying books because I'm always (laughs) buying books I work in a bookshop and I need to try and make some money he said I had to buy this one because it said the author is from my neck of the woods the black country and the book is set in the in the small town that I grew up in and so he just you know that's like oh my god we've well, got to buy it because he's going to yeah. mention the places i know yeah that's really interesting that change and I hope perhaps perhaps there's a change towards that oh, i think there's def-
0: there's definitely an and i think independent uh, shops of, of all sorts but independent bookshops and i meant to look up and i forgot we're going to have to have a look at there's a there is a book that i have seen that is a guide to independent bookst- bookstores of the uk uh, it's probably called that but i'll check and we'll have to put it in yeah. the um in the com- in the comments of the podcast but there is a guide that tells you so it means that you could go if you're going away you know cuz we're all holidaying in the uk at the moment so if you're going away you can find your local bookstore and then find a um you know a story about about where where you are uh, which i think would be quite cool
1: yeah yeah that is interesting isn't it yeah, actually, if people are listening and they and they've had that experience of, um, if you've had an experience of buying a book or hearing a story that really relates to the place you're from, then please do comment or yeah. share that um, uh, with us on social networks or whatever. Then um, yeah, we'd be really really pleased to hear about that.
0: Yeah, think- have you have you have you been either? been drawn to a story because you discovered it's about where you're from or you've been somewhere and and picked up a story from from that uh, location um and kind of absorbed it because you were there at the time, um, which I guess we do all the time when we're traveling. you know I was at, at Hadrian's wall was <laughs> ridiculous uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, no last weekend. do you want
1: to tell people the story about why you ended up at Hadrian's wall?
0: so well, yeah I, I've been to Hadrian's wall tell twice them. in the last three weeks. <laughs> Um, accidentally. Now we've all been living and um, we've all been living in this sort of bubble and I'll be honest, my diary management appears to have gone out of the window and everything we've been doing has been postponed and delayed. Anyway, this, I was going on a wonderful voice, um, acting, not voice acting, voice course, voice coach course. Um, Give her and- a plug, go on. Yeah, it's for Nicola Redmond, uh, who actually has a podcast called the Voice Coach Podcast. So she's a brilliant voice coach. And she has a bed and breakfast up in Hadrian's Wall. Anyway, so she she was doing this voice voice weekend. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I'm definitely doing that, especially because we haven't been anywhere forever. And uh, however, it got postponed a couple of times and I moved it in my diary. So a couple of weeks ago, I drove and I live in. Kenilworth which is in the Midlands and I drove four and a half hours to Hadrian's Wall literally turned up at Nick Redmond's door and she was like what are you doing why are you here and I was like I'm here for the voice weekend she was like it's not it's not this weekend it's in two weeks and I was just like oh my god so drove four and a half hours for something that wasn't happening for another two weeks but anyway it was a nice drive I listened to an audiobook um and uh, yeah so it, that did happen uh, last weekend and it was Amazing! It was so good. If you, and in fact, if other podcasters are listening, if you use your voice for work, whether you're a voice actor or audio audiobook narrator, or or you just do lots of presenting online, then do check out the um, the Voice Coach podcast and Nicola Redmond's groups and stuff. She's just she
1: is brilliant. Um,
0: there's loads
1: of ex- access. I mean, she always seems to be running stuff as a sort of giveaway as well. As yeah, well as she's doing an training, accent so workshop
0: at the moment. Yeah. And she, she just, I don't know how she does it. It's just so much stuff. But um, yeah. yeah, so do do check her out. Anyway, but it's nothing but about what her. I was she's saying was I was up at Hadrian's, and obviously there's loads of stories because it's Hadrian's Wall. Um, and But the, the one bit that sticks with me, and this is sad, uh, is the uh, what's called the Sycamore Gap which is the sycamore tree that appears in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And so, you know, that bit where they come in um, and arrive at Dover uh, and uh, they're at the White Cliffs of Dover. Then they go for a little walk and apparently turn up in Nottingham 20 minutes later but actually, they're, they're, it's filmed on Hadrian's Walls. So like, so it's taken twenty minutes to walk from Dover to to Hadrian's Wall. I don't think so. But it's this, this sort of iconic scene of this sycamore tree on on the wall. And we took a walk up there, and it was and hugged the tree and stuff, um, and and that was quite cool. But I almost cried. I was like, oh. like Robin Hood, Prince Thieves. <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly, but it's something that I watched repeatedly. Uh, I don't know when I was eleven or twelve or whatever. And that moment, and I am like, I'm at the tree. I'm at the tree. Um, so again, it's it again that kind of stories and things about the place that, that that you're visiting.
1: Yeah, and Hadrian's Wall is a boundary, isn't there? I expect there's lots and lots of stories about boundaries. That, that you know they're you know they're, they're pivotal places. Literally, but yeah, aren't they? exactly, yeah. Know, but it was interesting as well because the um,
0: the museum that was up that was up that we went to was a little museum. It was nicely done, and uh, and lots of interesting stuff about the Romans and how um actually it was lots of immigrants involved in building hadrian's wall and you kind of don't really think about it like that And actually it was incredibly diverse um Mm. because of all the people that came and 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 helped build the wall um so yeah it was really interesting
1: just as we finish up i just want to say one more thing about the sort of bookshop thing and the thing that i took from that which was um and i love that the the, the localization that he's working on there, that's just trying to get people from the Midlands as, as a focus, you know. Mm. I, think, I, I really love that. Oh, yeah, um, I meant to say because I
0: love that bit where he says, You we, you do just drive past us. It's one of the problems with the Midlands, and is that it's just not necessarily, it doesn't really get involved in things, and mm. or people don't, they sort of disregard it, they just drive past it one way or the other.
1: Um, that's right. And I think there's probably lots of places in the country like that because mm. I think, yeah, that I've experienced that in the Midlands, but that I think that you know those places on the edges as well yeah, you know Norwich. Um, to the east of England Norwich mm-hmm. place yes sort of just don't people don't go out towards them that they're that are at the edge um but I think I once did a workshop actually with Phelan McDermott who's a, a actor improviser and he runs a theater company called Improbable theater I think I think they're still around um but he's a, a really interesting bloke but he he always talked about when you're trying to devise work or come up with an improvisation find the edge and he defined that as literally you know, sometimes that literally is the edge the the geographical edge of something the, the the outside of something but also the metaphorical edge of things where the best stories happen where the most unlikely things are he said something like uh, uh he said imagine in uh, an organization like greenpeace Right, which exists with this ideal of of saving animals and saving the planet, and yet within that organisation you will find people that hate each other and are vicious and violent towards each other, and that's a really interesting edge for a story. Mm. You know those sort of things. Um, mm. Anyway, but so the, yeah. the 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 thing I was thinking was if if you're if you're into books a little bit, which I am, I'm into books a little bit, um, and then you go into a bookshop like that. You get more into books because there's a real pleasure in it. In the, few, in the small amount of time that I was in that shop, as well as talking to Paul and interviewing him, other people came in and at the end of the interview, a bloke came in, the bloke that you hear just at the end, and then he bought a book and he bought another book because we were chatting and he went, um, he, he bought The Seven Nights at the Flamingo Hotel. So we were chatting and, and he went, oh, all right, I'll give that a go. He was mm-hmm. interested in writing and he really liked the fact that it was second person. He'd not read a novel in second person. So he, he bought it. And then we just got to chat it and and I felt part of a group, I felt part of a community Mm. and therefore I was like, I'm going to enjoy coming in here, buying a book, reading the book, coming back, talking about the book and, and then seeing what else we can sort of conjure up together. So yeah, go to your local bookshop and talk to the person that runs the bookshop. If you're, if you're lucky enough to have an independent bookshop near you, go there and, and, and have a chat because I think that you'll discover things.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Cool. Good. Okay, so we leave it there.
0: So, what's uh, are we going to talk about? What's coming next?
1: Oh yeah, let's talk about what's coming. To... Do we have we actually established what exactly is coming next? Because I yeah, we know we've got I'm some things it. coming I'm on up. It. I'm on it. You're it's on totally it,
0: fine. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> So sort of, probably. probably. Uh, so the next episode, I am out and about next week, uh, and I am going to be interviewing um, a woman who is a writer and also a publisher. Um, but she, they have a business. This Ekka um, and they have a business which is called Author in Me, and they do lots of things. It's it's uh, essentially for children, and it's a children's writing workshops and uh, storytelling workshops, and also another service that they offer is that they take. Your stories. So if you've written a story, either your child has written a story, or um, something that I did was that my mum had written because she was working and she hadn't seen the children at all during lockdown. So she'd written a couple of stories for them, and so I'd sent them off to Author and Me, um, and then they've created an actual physical book, designed it, done all the drawings for it, and. And we've now got an actual physical book of that story, which is lovely. Um, but lovely. she's also written a book uh, called The Voice of Carly, uh, which is about uh, sort of female empowerment. So we'll be just sort of exploring a couple of those things next
1: week with her. That sounds great. Um, I'm going to look forward to to hearing that. And so I'll get to listen to your interview, hopefully, before that. And then we can chat about it like we did on this show. So, um, And I guess if people like this, as ever... We know it's a bit weird on podcast platforms trying to find how to leave reviews and how to leave likes and stuff. So, you know, ah, if you can't do that, fine. Please don't get as long as you subscribe. Subscribe is the best thing to do, isn't it? Because then you'll just get the next episode. Um, So do that and tell tell your friends as well. Please do tell your friends and get them to listen to it.
0: And us, you can tell us. You can get in touch. How can you get in touch with us, Ian?
1: Um, (laughs) well, you could the. On Twitter, we're um, at lift, Listening Shelf, so you oh, can yeah. get us at Listening Shelf. Also at Ian Pringle Voice on uh, Twitter. Um, I'm just trying to think. I haven't set up an email address yet, and I probably okay. should do. Well, that. you can.
0: Okay, so Twitter. You can also uh, Instagram me at Sarah UK. You can follow either at the Stuff of Stories um, on Instagram, and you can follow. Um, that's another story told as well on Instagram so yeah and I tell you always.
1: what let's I, I will put an email address I'll create one and I'll put one in the show notes so cool. people will see okay. one. cool let's then. do that
0: yeah so Please. let us know I'd like you know we'd like to hear about your stories stories that are important to you um, and uh, particularly if, if if you know you've experienced stories of, of, of your locality um, or tell us about your local bookshop do that tell us about your local bookshop
1: brilliant tell us stuff that'd be lovely to hear from you and what you think about the show okay right well we'd better say goodbye
0: let's go let's go do some real work
1: yeah okay bye then
0: (laughs) cheers bye